Good afternoon, everyone. I am thrilled to be here at McDougall Center to welcome Senator Joe Manchin to Alberta. Uh, Joe uh, came, accepted our invitation to come up here and see firsthand uh, the single largest source of energy imports to the United States uh, to deepen the relationship between uh, Canada and the United States, especially Alberta, as the largest uh, foreign supplier of energy to the United States. Of course, Senator Manchin is the chairman of the United States Senate Energy Committee uh, and is the key swing vote in the U.S. Senate, so carries a lot of sway uh, in the capital of our closest friend and ally. And I just really want to uh, thank Joe for making the effort to come up here uh, for an extended two-day visit. We toured the senator around the oil sands yesterday, uh, seeing both uh, Suncor mining operations and Synovus SAGD in situ operations. Uh, and uh, today he had a roundtable with uh, leaders of, about critical minerals. Uh, we just came from a roundtable with uh, ener senior energy leaders, and this evening we'll be doing a, a dinner meeting um, with folks from different uh, parts of the Alberta economy uh, to discuss greater cooperation. The senator and I share a vision of a future North American energy alliance. Uh, the outrageous invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin's dictatorship underscores the need for al democratic allies like Canada and the United States to work together closely uh, to displace the world's growing dependence on uh, dictator oil from some of the world's worst regimes. Uh, and uh, that is now a, a matter of international security, of a moral urgency as well. And so uh, the Senator and I have had the discussions about how we can uh, work together more closely and certainly raise the profile in Washington, D.C. about the critical role that Alberta and Canada play in U.S. energy security. So once again, Senator, thank you so much for coming up here to Alberta. You're always welcome to come back, and I hope to see you uh, down in Washington before too long. Well, I'm sure you will. And, Premier, thank you. Uh, the kind uh, hospitality that you've shown your staff has been unparalleled, and, and we appreciate it. You've invited me up, and for a long time we've been talking about this visit. And we finally made it a reality, and I can't tell you how pleased we are. When you look at the relationship that the United States of America has with Canada, uh, it's, it's a family relationship. You know, sometimes we take each other for granted. But when you think about all of the ga natural gas that we import in the United States of America, 98% comes from Canada. 98% of all the oil that we import in the United States of America, 62% comes from Canada. Of all of the trade that we do by states out of 50 states, 32 states, you're the number one export that we export to. So we're intricately together and locked. The bottom line is, what do we do and how can we do it better? That's by basically forming this relationship. We're talking about this, uh, this uh, North American uh, energy uh, and climate, energy and climate uh, consortium. And what it does, uh, for the first time, we're able to use the resources that we have, because we do it cleaner than anybody in the world. What the United States and Canada produces, whether it be natural gas, whether it's extracting oil, whatever we do is the cleanest in the world. Whatever we replace will be the cleanest in the world. So if you want to help the climate, use North American resources, use North American energy. Right now, as Jason said, the horrific war that Putin has put on Ukraine is, is, is an atrocity. It truly is. And it's something I don't believe any of us can tolerate. And there shouldn't be a thing that we should be counting on or buying or supporting from Russia that gives them the resources to use in this genocide that they're committing in, in Ukraine.
with that, we have to be stronger. We have to be committed and resilient enough to be able to say we're going to produce the energy that the world needs. We're going to basically extract and process the minerals, the critical minerals, that helps us with a cleaner environment transitioning into a new world, if you will. But that can be done right here. Right now, 80% of all the processed minerals that are reused in America for so many goods and products comes from China. We saw what Putin has done to weaponize energy and how he has used it on Europe. I don't want to see what China could do to us by weaponizing the minerals, the critical minerals that we're depending on. Everybody's talking about EVs. We talk about computer, computer chips, on and on and on. Most of that comes from China or through China, one way or another. We don't want to be caught in that. We shouldn't. And if anything, this is horrific. This horrific war in Ukraine is a wake-up call for the, for the free world, that we can count on each other and we can rely on each other. And I want you to know the free world should be relying on the United States and Canada to provide the products and the resources that they're going to need and to be able to help Mother Earth and the climate. So with that, Premier, I can't tell you how pleased I am to be here and to work with you on this. And we're going to be doing an awful lot together. And I want you to know the United States of America is very proud to have Canada as our best partner in the world. Thank you so much, Senator. So I think we'll take questions. Yeah. We're going to start on the floor here, and we'll alternate between the floor and the phones. So please go ahead, identify your outlet, who you're directing your question to, and go ahead with your This question. is a question for the Senator, Senator Chris Farkle with the Calgary Herald. A two-part question. Um, why did you decide to come to Alberta at this particular point in time? And given the concerns about energy security, but also climate right now, what is the likelihood of the United States calling for more Canadian energy, and how would that actually happen? Well, first of all, when you look at what we're dealing with in the world and how with the upturn in the last two months from the Ukraine war and what it's done, there's so many Americans. I did not realize that we were dependent in the United States of America on 500,000 barrels of the dirtiest crude produced in the world from, China, from Russia. I didn't know that. Uh, a lot of us didn't know how much of the critical minerals we're receiving for our nuclear for our nuclear reactors and basically what we use in America to heat the homes and run the, run the industry and, and, and the commercial use and all of these things here. And here we find ourselves in a situation that the resources that we pay and the money that we give them to buy their products is being used in this atrocity on Ukraine. So we can't fix that. What it is, it is. We're doing everything we can to support Ukraine so they can win this war. Now with that, do we want to hold ourselves dependent again? So when you look and see what we're doing with China, the trade with China right now is so lopsided, it's unbelievable. But on top of that, as we talk about a clean, the cleaner technologies of the world, basically if you want to go to EVs and all the different things that we rely on are done by the rare earth minerals. We do very little of our own, pro well, we do hardly any processing, but we do, we do very little of our own extraction. When you look at the resources that, that Canada has and the United States has, you look at the ability that we have to refine and process, to have our own cathode and anodes, and we can do all of this. So if it's going to be battery, we can do that. But we have to make, be committed to that. And the people need to know we're all environmentalists. There's nobody who wants to drink dirty water or breathe dirty air in America that I know of or Canada. And with that, we're going to use this energy. And it's going to be consumed around the world. And if we don't do something to clean up the world, and when you have to think about it, you all are producing natural gas, the cleanest in the world right now. We're second. Okay? All, all the things that we're doing, producing oil, you are, are one of the cleanest in the world. 
and we're right there with you. Why wouldn't you use the cleanest fossil fuels that are produced in the world, extracted in the world, and hopefully clean up the world, if you will? But right now, there'll be within 10 years, 90% of all pollution will come from one continent, Asia. One continent. Perfect example is this. Right now, the United States of America has less than 500 coal-fired plants. If you listen to people who are opposed to all coal and fossil, if you will, they make you believe the United States of America is polluting the world. China has 3,000 coal-fired plants and building 400 more. You talk about, you think they're taking their foot off the pedal? Absolutely not. So we can do it and do it much better. Carbon capture sequestration will save the planet, and that's what we're, we're striving for. Thank you, Senator. We're going to go to the phones now. Operator, can you please put through our first caller? The Paul Monga, Wall Street Journal. Uh, hi, this is a message, uh, question for the Senator. Um, to what degree did the issue of getting that oil and natural gas out of Alberta come up? I'm talking specifically about any talk of providing Keystone XL. Did that come up, and, and how important is that to well, your ambitions? Yeah. It didn't come up because it's a sore point with, for both sides. You're talking about the XL pipeline, I think. Is that what you said? That's right. Okay. The XL yeah. pipeline is something we should have never abandoned. Uh, now we wish we had it, 800,000 barrels of oil coming uh, a day down into our, uh, our refineries to make the products that all of us use in both countries. And on top of that, then as soon as we had this horrific war that started in Ukraine and the flow of Russian crude of 7 million barrels a day is going to be curtailed, tremendously and we're wondering how you're going to fill that in and they're starting saying well my country and my administration is saying well uh, let's see if OPEC can produce more oil for us uh, maybe let's look again at Venezuela and Iran and I'm thinking to myself no one's called the producers in America and I asked the premier did anybody call, call Alberta or Saskatchewan or basically we're producing the, the products we Sixty percent of our oil comes from Canada. Of your, of your imports, yeah. Yeah. Of our imports come from Canada. We produce a tremendous amount of oil. We have more capacity. We can go to 12, 13 million barrels a day. We can help the world. But they were turning to everybody but us. So, yeah, that rubbed me wrong. It did. I'll be honest. And I've told them that. They understand. You know, we can agree to disagree as long as we're trying to fix the problem. And this problem has to be fixed by the cleanest energy in the world, and it's right here in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Senator. We're going to go back to the floor. Go ahead with your question. Thanks. Dylan Shore with Post Media. Um, I guess this is sort of a follow-up to that question, but given that it was, you know, President Biden that essentially axed the Keystone XL, and earlier today our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he, he basically said, you know, ball's still in your court. So I guess given your discussions that you've had on this topic, what, what do you think the chances are of seeing a revival of that project? I don't know. I mean, basically, that's the, the brand of the XL pipeline uh, is probably gone. Can it be rebranded? Can it be rerouted? Can it be used different things? We need this product. You all have a product that we have to have in order for us to meet the demand of not only our country, but your country, too, and the world that we can backfill. And we do it better than anybody else. Can it be done? I can tell you, pipelines will carry it a lot safer, cleaner, and much better and, and more efficient than the rail or by, by trucks. Uh, we had a horrible rail uh, explosion in West Virginia carrying this oil into the, to the market, if you will. So I know that the, the danger that we're running there. When you look at the cleanest way to transport it is by, by uh, pipe, and that's what we should do. So 
however we can look at something that we can basically build around the energy that we have, saving the planet, helping the climate by using the cleanest, why shouldn't we do it? And that's all I'm asking for. So if they read, I would like to see them. Absolutely. I can't guarantee you there's a company up here that wants to reinvest again. Or if, if the administration is going to entertain that, but it'd be foolish not to. Thank you, Senator. Can we go to our second question on the phone, please? You ready? Robert Tuttle, Bloomberg News. Uh, yes, uh, Senator, this is for you. Um, earlier you had mentioned uh, all of the above as an answer to the energy uh, questions of today. And I was just wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on what you mean by that, um, uh, all of the above. Well, and, and I think Premier Kenny, Premier Kenny can answer this, too. I can explain to you my, my, uh, my definition of all the above is every form of energy that we possibly can. So if you're looking at wind and solar, geothermal, you're looking at hydro, you're looking at fusion in the future, you're looking at everything that we possibly can do to reduce our carbon nuclear, we had to, we had to basically reinvest in, in the United States in our nuclear, we had four reactors going down in Illinois. Well, if we're going to meet any time of our targets and emission targets, we have to have nuclear. So we're talking all in. You've got to use your coal, your gas, and your oil in the cleanest fashion you can. So basically, I think that I've, and Jason, you can speak to this, but you all are producing your oil or your natural gas, and, if, and, and, and have be, uh, be, uh, you've been able to capture your methane. So you might want to speak on that, how you all were able to with technology. Well, we were really world leaders in reducing uh, emissions related to methane. And we were uh, leaders in carbon capture, utilization, and storage. Uh, we were one of the first places, we were the first place in North America to put a price on major industrial GHG emissions that funded the initial uh, industrial application of carbon capture uh, and sequestration. And now... Uh, we are expecting, working with the oil sands companies, to see a massive expansion of that. So all of the above for Alberta, look, um, it means first and foremost, oil and gas that the world needs. The, the world is demanding 100 million barrels a day. Uh, the reason the prices have skyrocketed is inadequate supply. There's inadequate supply because there's been inadequate investment in upstream exploration and production. Much of that has been pushed by, as a result of, uh, divestment from North American energy, uh, which has effectively increased global market share from OPEC and Russia, which is bad for the global environment, bad for uh, global security. So the, I, I would say that the uh, central issue we've been discussing with Senator Manchin is what we can do in terms of North American energy infrastructure to get pipelines built uh, to get uh, North American energy independence uh, with respect to hydrocarbon energy. Now, in addition, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And we're doing just that here in Alberta. In fact, Alberta is leading Canada in growth in uh, renewable electricity production. But uh, we are on the cusp of a huge uh, expansion of things like uh, low-emitting petrochemical products and hydrogen as a major new source of global energy. So uh, here in Alberta, because of our energy sector, we have incredible scientific uh, and technical capabilities that are being applied to green tech now that, that can turn 
increasingly our natural gas feedstock into additional products like hydrogen, for example. So these are all things that we've been discussing. We do hope in Alberta at some point in the future that we can make it economic to adopt small modular nuclear reactors, for example, to be an alternative power source for the oil sands production to help them get to their net zero. So we are certainly open to an all-of-the-above strategy. Thank you, and we'll go to the floor for another question. Adam Sos here for Rebel News, a question for Senator Manchin. In your opinion, what is driving the resistance within the Democratic Party and the Biden administration against importing, import, importing ethical, readily available, and more environmentally responsible Canadian oil to supply growing demands? And why is the United States increasing Im oil imports from undemocratic serial human rights violators like Venezuela and Iran instead? Yeah. I asked the same question. <laughs> um, I, just, I think it's a lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. You know, how many people have come up, how many senators have been up, how many people from the administration have been to Canada to understand how valuable Canada is to the United States of America and vice versa. We're all one. It's North America. And North America could be the energy, the energy leaders of the world. It really could be. Of the cleanest energy production in the world. I'm doing everything I can. I intend to have Premier and a delegation come down to... United States to the Capitol in my, in, my, in my committee and basically testify on what you do, how you do it, and how well you do it, and how much we need each other and how we depend on each other. Not only the oil now, when you start thinking about all of the, the critical minerals, just take uranium. You know, and I, I said this, um, my history tells me that the Manhattan Project that we used to end the World War II and save the world from fascism and and, and totalitarian type of regimes, uh, that came from uh, right here. It came from you all. In Saskatchewan, I think, in this part of the world, you had the richest uranium that we used. And so we've been connected that uh, longer than people know. They just don't realize. So uh, maybe, maybe my administration doesn't realize how well you do what you do and how much we depend on you. We'll go to the phones for another question. Operator, please go ahead. McGraney, Golden Mail. Yeah, g'day. Uh, this question would be, actually, either of you lads could probably answer this, or both, if you, if you like. Um, just what actual tangible changes have come from this visit, if anything? You're talking about an alliance. What does that mean? How is it different from now? And, and just to follow up on my colleague Chris Barker's question, um, yeah, why now? I mean... Europe is where the supply issues are, so I'm just curious about the timing. But more to the point, well, how has this changed actual relations? Uh, well, maybe I'll start and invite Joe to uh, fill in here. Uh, we, he and I first spoke in the spring of 2020 when we were facing the collapse in energy markets and uh, the Russia-Saudi price war that I think one deliberate goal of which was to steal market share from American shale production in particular. And uh, in fact, they did manage to take out, uh, I think, two to three million barrels yeah. a day of American production, which shifted global energy markets more towards Russia and OPEC. So I think that, that we, sh we realized then that we had a shared interest in greater cooperation. At that time, I spoke to many of, of uh, Senator Manchin's colleagues in the U.S. Senate and Congress, many U.S. governors, uh, senior members of the administration about a more coordinated North American energy strategy. 
And obviously, Alberta has a keen interest in that, given that we are the source of up around 60% of U.S. foreign oil imports, and uh, as he says, 98% of U.S. natural gas imports. So um, now, Senator Manchin is not a, a member of the executive branch, but <laughs> he's probably the most uh, influential member of the legislative branch of the United States. And so uh, the discussions we're having here are very important for us. He's invited us, as he just said, uh, to come and, and appear before the Senate Energy Committee to talk about the need for greater Canadian-American cooperation on uh, continental energy security. And uh, I think just the opportunity to raise the profile is hugely important. Um, Joe and I, I, I think, are, are agreed that most of his colleagues do not know uh, that Alberta is a far larger source of their uh, energy imports than OPEC, uh, for example. And so we have some basic education to do uh, to make our friends in Washington more aware of how cr the critical role that Canada and Alberta play in U.S. energy security. And hopefully from that a understanding, we can get the, the, the ball rolling on um, more infrastructure uh, like future pipelines. You know, one, one pitch that I'll make when I'm in Washington, Joe, is simply this. It's to your administration to get off the fence on the efforts of the governor of Michigan to shut down Line 5. Uh, it doesn't make any sense it, where the president is pleading with Saudi, Iran, and Venezuela to ship more imports, uh, exports to the United States to have a U.S. state that's threatening to decommission a pipeline that for 60 years has safely delivered over 600,000 barrels a day of Alberta energy uh, to the upper Midwest. So I think there are some immediate things that we can do, um, but really the visit of, of Senator Manchin is, is a huge, I think, uh, confirmation for us that um, we have friends in the United States who understand the important role uh, that we play in American energy security. First of all, I think the question was the timing. Why now? I don't think any of us in this room right now expected that you would see a land war in Europe in the 21st century. Not one of us. So it's a crisis. We have a crisis on our hand. If you don't want to repeat that crisis, then you have to do something to eliminate it from happening again. You have to take action. We have, we have our NATO allies. I have never seen in my life and never have I read about in history a time when so many have come together in such a, 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 a quick period of time. Uh, we have uh, Finland uh, and Sweden, I'm understanding, uh, considering and have a desire to be part of NATO, which I think it would be tremendous for us to have a solid block. Uh, we have people that basically are counting on all of us in the free world, and we should be able to deliver for the free world. And we've been basically looking at the bottom line, the dollars and cents in the bottom line going to the cheapest product, no matter how it was produced, and hiding behind it saying, well, we didn't do it in our country, so someone else is producing dirty energy. We're using it. Someone else is using slave labor to produce and extract the critical minerals that we're using, taking to China, basically processing under the dirtiest of situations, and then we're buying the product thinking, oh, everything's great. I'm an environmentalist because I've got a, a car here that was sourced through slave labor and things that are coming out of different parts of the world. Ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. So it's time to, for us to, to really man up to what, what our responsibilities are. How do we source products? How do we use these products? Why don't you do it yourself? Why can't you? We have them. We have all these products. So we're going to do an inventory. 
making sure that we have them. We're going to make sure that we're able to process them and utilize them here. And there shouldn't be a barrier because we have a border. That border should be invisible when it becomes to the energy and the climate and the responsibilities we have as citizens on this earth. Thank you. And we'll take our final question from the floor. It's uh, Aaron Collins with CBC National News. Um, Senator Manchin, you mentioned in your opening remarks coal. And I'm just wondering, you know, here in Alberta, we're kind of a year away from getting off coal, sure. using coal for electricity. There's been a big pushback in the province against, you know, more mining for metallurgic coal. Do you think that's a mistake, I mean, in relation to energy security? And did you discuss that with the Premier? Not really. You know, you all have a different energy mix than we do. You have 50 or 55 percent of your energy comes from hydro. We don't have that luxury. So there's things that we have to use, and we have an economy that's a little bit demanding differently to manufacturing basis. So I would never question on that. In coal, my state, 90, over 90 percent of my energy comes from coal-fired utility plants in the state of West Virginia. We're the most reliant on coal. Are we looking at changing? Absolutely. We know the transition's coming. We're looking now at small modular reactors. Uh, Bill Gates says we're planning a visit for Bill to come to West Virginia and look at basically some of our plants that we have had to close down because they've timed out. But I will tell you this, the plants that we have operating have all have scrubbers on them for, for sulfur. We have also uh, low NOx boilers for noxious gas. Those have all been changed. And we have bag houses for particulates, for mercury. We've done everything. And now carbon capture. So Dr. Briol at the IEA, International Energy Agency, will tell you, if you want to, if you want to change, if you really want to help Mother Earth and the climate, Carbon capture sequestration. I have said this so many times. People make you believe that you can eliminate your way to a cleaner climate. The world's not moving in that. The demand. You've got India coming from first-generation electric. Can you imagine in the 21st century, people in parts of the world that still don't have electric and getting it for the first time? You think they care how they get it, where it comes from, or what's coming out of the stack? No. No different than we did in the early 20th century. Ch times have changed. We have a, the ability to uh, share that technology and help the world, if you will. And that comes from trading, how you open up your doors and your borders for trading. There is no difference between Canada and the United States when it comes to a clean environment, responsibilities to the climate, wanting to do it better and sharing technology, sharing our ideas back and forth. If you have the resources up here, and we might have a refinery down in the States, then we can share back and forth. You might have a refinery. We might have resources that are better to use your refinery. Those, that should be interoperable. I mean, we should be able to move freely. Uh, we, we've allowed, and I'll tell you this, I traveled around the Arctic to all the Arctic nations. Of course, you all are a big Arctic nation in Canada, you know. But I traveled around, and what I, I, what I left, I, I went to, for whether it be Greenland, I went to Iceland, I went to, to Svalbard, way up in Norway. I did it all. What I came away from all that meeting, we started here in Ottawa. We started right here with the meeting, the Arctic Na Nations meeting. When I walked away, I realized this. We are the only Arctic nation, the United States of America with Alaska, we're the only Arctic nation that allows climate to be a political divide. Who's doing it better? Who's doing it worse? Make this. We let, it's a political fight in America, United States. It should not be. We realize that we need fossil. We can use it cleaner and better with technology. And if you take the United States of America and you take Canada out of the fossil business, we're the only ones that will spend the money that will make the effort to develop the new technologies that will clean up the climate.
because the rest of the world will use the same products we're using, just a lot dirtier. You take us out, and Mother Earth is going to be in trouble, and the climate will go to heck in a handbasket. I believe that with all my heart, and I've told him that. Look for the balance. You find a balance in life, find a balance between the climate and the economy. All right. Thank you.